God, what a great song, what a true song, that there is no other name more powerful than yours, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Lord, help us to realize the power of the name of Jesus, not for our benefit, but just from the sheer magnitude of who you really are that we are with you. Thank you for being so good and for this opportunity that we have. Open your word to us. May we experience you in a new and fresh way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Glad you are here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to jump right in and get rolling. So much good stuff in this story today. I'm super excited about it. The more we poured over it on Monday, the more we found, and the more we found, the more we wanted to see. It's just so good. Hopefully you have enjoyed this slow process and slow walk through the Gospel of Matthew. Hopefully you've seen some things that maybe you have not seen before, or uh, maybe you've heard it once and you've heard it again, and just experiencing some new things. It's just good stuff to continue to read through Scripture and, and allow the Spirit to uncover and unpack things that maybe you've just glossed over or maybe it just wasn't time for you yet to see it. And hopefully today's story will unpack and uncover some new things that maybe you didn't see before. While we were talking in our sermon prep meeting, we were reminded of kind of a, a parenting thing that kind of happens. Picture a mom at the stove or at the sink and a child, a young child, sitting at the table eating his breakfast and you hear him say, give me some milk. Y'all have heard that, I'm sure. And sometimes what we will do is we'll just get them the milk. But in this particular instance, the mother does nothing, doesn't respond, doesn't get the milk, just continues doing what she's doing. And a few minutes pass by and the young child again says, can I get some milk? Now that's a little bit better phraseology and that question, but it's still not quite what the mother was looking for. And so the mother again does not respond. She's not being rude. She's not ignoring. She's just not answering and giving the child what they're asking for because of the way that they're asking. And so the child gets a little bit frustrated And he says, Mom, can I get some milk? And again, maybe this time the mother looks up and kind of gives them that mommy look and goes right back to what she's doing. And the child sits there and continues to eat breakfast and then realizes that maybe how he's asking is not correct. And he simply says, Mom, may I have some milk, please? And in that moment, mom turns around, goes to the cupboard, gets a cup out, goes to the refrigerator, pulls the milk out, pours a small glass of milk, puts the milk back, takes it over to him and says, here you go, dear. Now, for many of us, we would think that's just rude. Why wouldn't she just get her child some milk? She knows what he means when he says, get me some milk. And in the world that we live in, that's how we talk to each other. So it's normal. It's okay. Just And yet the mother was intending to teach her young child manners and a lesson maybe not in the well maybe it is the conventional way the conventional way that we've just gotten away from most of us would have said well how do you say that why you got to be rude why don't you just say please rather than just quietly and strategically and patiently 
allowing the child to come to his own realization of what he's really asking for. Because really, mom could have went over to the refrigerator and got the jug of milk and sat it right in front of him. That's what he asked for. Give me the milk. Okay, well, here's the milk. But it wasn't until he said, may I have a cup of milk or may I have some milk, please, mom, that she gave him what she knew he needed. And it's interesting that she didn't give him what he asked for. She gave him more because he didn't ask for a cup of milk. He simply asked for milk. But she went above and beyond because she knew what he really meant and what he really needed and gave him what he did not necessarily ask for. Isn't that intriguing? We all deal with that, right? In fact, I'm 44, yeah, getting ready to be 45, and I still do that sometimes. I forget to say please. I forget to ask the right way. My kids are my slaves, like they do what I say right now. That's what we think. And so where do our kids learn how to communicate? From us. And so it is our responsibility to strategically and patiently and intentionally model and to teach our children and each other. And so in the story today, we're going to watch Jesus do that very thing in front of his disciples. It's a great story, very simple story, but packed with so much meaning that it's important that we look at it today. So here's the main thought that we have for you. Perseverance leads to spiritual experiences. Perseverance leads to spiritual experiences. Listen, the society that we live in today is such an instant gratification, I want it now, society, that we have turned that onto Jesus, that when I pray for this, it better happen. But maybe Jesus wants us to persevere, push through, keep going, want it bad enough, that when we push through and get to the root of what we really are needing, that's when the spiritual experience happens. But so many of us, Pray once, doesn't happen, we quit. Because we didn't get what we wanted, when we wanted it, and how we wanted it. When in reality, we're going to see in today's story that Jesus usually goes above and beyond what we ask for. Because he knows what we really need. You ready? You excited? All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 15, let's start in verse 21. Again, as we did last week, we're going to hit some slides as we go through reading of the scripture. And in chapter 15, verse 21 of Matthew, he begins the, st- the story begins this way. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is about 50 miles approximately uh, from where he's at right now. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So right off the bat, we see a woman coming to him that's out of the region that he's normally operating in. This is really a predominantly Greek region, which they have all kinds of Greek mythology and Greek ways, and it's just different. They're a little more highfalutin than the Jews, and so there's a big difference between the people, but she didn't care. She recognized that there's something different about this man, and I'm going to him because I have a problem. I need your help. And I want you to notice the question that she says, or the statement. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So this woman of Canaan, we need to understand where she's coming from. This is the original Canaan land, way back in the Old Testament. So these people have been here forever. She's a descendant of all of them. 
Entire and Sidon is a Phoenician, it's Greek, in, um, I'm sorry, it's of the Phoenician region. So it's a little bit different than where the Jews were at. And when it says Syro-Phoenician, it simply interprets they're Greek. So they have a different way of life, different religion, different beliefs. Uh, just they, they have a little bit more money than everybody else. There's a lot going on with them. And she is of the Canaanite descendants. So she's not a Jew, not even close She may not even know about all the Jewish stuff, maybe just from her own history. But somehow, some way, she hears about this man, Jesus. And she leaves her home, well, she leaves her home to come see him because he is coming to her region, which is approximately, again, 50 miles away. Now, if you think back to chapter 14 at the very end, we see the perseverance of the people coming to Jesus, going a long distance. Then we see the perseverance last week of the Pharisees coming a couple of days journey over 80 miles to talk with Jesus. They persevered to get to him. And now we have a lady who has dealt with a a, a daughter that is just severely tormented by a demon. Now we know Jesus has cast out demons all the time. So we know and understand that he has the power to do that. And I would believe, I would contend, that she probably has heard of this to some degree. But her question is so intriguing to me. Her request is simple, but not so simple. It's a simple request. She says, have mercy on me, thou son of David. She recognizes that he is the Messiah. And I love the fact that she tags it with, oh Lord, which gives us some insight that maybe her faith is kind of intact. Maybe she realizes that this man, Jesus, is something different from what she has been told all her life. And she recognizes that he is different and special. And she calls him, oh Lord, son of David. The son of David phrase is to be interpreted and recognized as the Messiah. So she has some understanding of the Jewish faith. And she realizes that this is the guy. All the things that we've heard, this is him. And she comes to him and says, my daughter is possessed. Now again, her request seems simple to us. If you were to look back, what would you infer? What would you guess she's asking for? We would guess that she's asking for, heal my daughter. Right? Notice again, go back to it. Look at the scripture. Not one time does she say, heal my daughter. She says, have mercy on me, for my daughter is severely tormented by a demon. That's interesting. That's intriguing. Because when I get in a jam and it's something I can't fix, I go to him asking him to fix that. She has a, a, she's in a spot, she's in a jam. There is something that she can't fix. And she goes to him recognizing her reality and says, help me just muscle through it. Different prayer, folks. We sometimes are guilty of wanting it just to be fixed so everything is hunky-dory rather than saying, you know what, God, 
I know you can help it. I know you can fix it. But this is the reality of the spot that I'm in. Help me. Have mercy on me. Give me what I need. Teach me what I need to learn to make it through this jam. Can he fix it? Let's go back to the beginning of Matthew. We saw time and time again him casting out demons constantly. The two men at the tombs, he cast those demons out into the herd of swine. Remember that story? So we know he has the power. I would venture to say she's heard that, but that's not her request. Now we see at the end of the story, something happens different than her request. But right here, right now, her request is, have mercy on me. Help me learn how to maneuver through. Now, I know I use this example a lot, but when we had Emma, if I, I know God could snap his fingers, wiggle his nose, and make her normal just like everybody else. But she's a, a new normal for us. And so my prayer was not, hey, God, change her. My prayer was, God, help me. Help me know how to go. Help me know how to do this. Because this is unfixable by me. This is something I wasn't prepared for. But I know you know the ins and outs. And I need you to have mercy on me and Sally to know how to get through this. And folks, when we were able to get to that place, it is a different mindset and a different journey. Listen, if you think for one second that this life is not going to be hard... Please pardon me, but you're a fool. Just because you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because you surrender all to him, does not grant us a carte blanche all the way, a carte blanche life all the way to heaven with no tough stuff. In fact, it almost invites it. Why? Because the tough stuff sanctifies us. It purifies us. It strengthens us. And it allows us to experience Things from God that nobody else gets to experience. Don't pray that away. Ask for the grace, for the mercy, for the strength to figure it out and to make it through, to learn what you need to learn in order to glorify Him. I just told you the whole sermon right there. That going it. She accepted the reality of her situation. I, when we landed on that, it was like a light bulb. Everything else illuminated. Her request is simple, but not so simple. It's, have mercy on me, because my daughter is possessed. She's asking for mercy to get through it. And a request in faith to, do, uh, to what he is able to do. She's asking in faith, knowing what he is able to do. The word is traveling fast. Even without the internet. And it's true information, actually, by the way. And it's so good. And people are coming from all over the place to experience what only Jesus can offer. So let's read a little more and let's see what his response is. Remember the story I told you before? Watch this. But he answered her not a word in verse 23. Now, I have a hard time with that. That's not the Jesus... I know. This lady comes to him and says, have mercy on me. Oh Lord, son of David, you're the man. I recognize who you are. For my daughter is severely tormented by a demon. 
And he says not a word. Doesn't even acknowledge her that we know of. What? And I guarantee you, some of you have felt that in your life, somewhere, somehow, and maybe even right now. You know how I know that? Because I've felt it before. You come to God and you say, I'm in a spot, I'm in a jam, fix it, help me. Nothing, crickets. And you know what I've done? Fine, I'll fix it myself. That's what we do. His disciples came and urged him saying, watch their response. Send her away for she cries out after us. Can you please get rid of this crazy lady? She's bothering us. She's distracting us. She's causing too much attention. She's screaming too much. So we see the perseverance and passion of this mother. I need your help. You're the one that can help me. Help me deal with the thing that I'm dealing with. And the disciples are like, please go away. Which should never be said of our church. Because we may attract some crazies. We may attract some issues that you would just rather say, no thank you. But at least we have the permission of Jesus to ignore it. Just kidding. It's not, it's not the point. Because watch, oh wait, hold on. Can't go too far yet. His response was crickets. Which again just boggles my brain without knowing the rest of the story. How can a loving Jesus, the one that responds all the time to anybody who is asked, ignore this poor woman? Well, she's a Greek. That's, that's not the reason. Most of us would believe and say, well, he's rude. He doesn't like her. She isn't like us. He doesn't care. There's no compassion. That's exactly what we would say and how we would feel. Because that's what happens when we go to Jesus and ask for something and nothing happens. It's the immediate thoughts that go in our head. Amen? That's right where we go. Why? Because we are spoiled, spoiled people. And in this instance, we're going to see Jesus' real response. We are an instant gratification, impatient Why is my internet not any faster? Why do I have to wait till next week to watch the shows? I'll just buy all the episodes and watch them now. Man, I wonder what would happen if we just slowed down for a minute. Took a breath. You know what? I, I can honestly say, at the beginning of the pandemic, it drove me nuts. And then I realized this. I realized this. I realized, Look. I have a whole new life. There's my wife that I rarely get to see. There's my children. Here are my friends that I see way over there, six feet away behind a mask. When we slow down, we actually see what's really worth our time. We live such busy lives, so impatient. So I want it now, and we've got to stop that. We've got to pull back the reins just a little bit. Watch what happens here. Verse 24, but he answered and said, now he's talking to his disciples in earshot range of this lady. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Now, it may seem like he's talking to the disciples and saying, hey, just remember, I'm only here for the Jews. Because that is kind of what he's saying. That's why I was sent for the lost sheep, for the children of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus, in earshot, says, hey, I'm only here for a certain group. But she comes to him, a Greek, not a Jew, not a follower like everybody else that has been around him. But she recognizes who he is. She falls at his feet and worships him and says, Lord, Again, that is a big terminology. That is recognition and acknowledgement that you are more powerful than I and I am following you. I'm going to let you call the shots. Lord is huge for us. And she says, Lord, help me. Now notice the difference in her request. It's no longer has anything to do with her daughter. Now this is truly about her. Help me. It's the first honest request that I see to Jesus. I got all these other circumstances that I want to focus on, God. But really, I need you to help me. Well, if he would fix this, and if he would fix this, and if he would do that, then I would be fine. Isn't that what we say? This lady tried to spin it of, have mercy on me because... So that, this time she says, "Mm -mm, you know what, forget it all, help me, help me. This is an exercise in her faith. This is Jesus allowing her to persevere to go after what she really, really needed. Not what she wanted, but needed And so many times when we hear crickets through our prayers and through our supplication to God and our requests, when we hear those crickets, please don't quit. It's not that God doesn't hear you. He absolutely hears you. But maybe he's just waiting to see how bad you want it. Maybe he's just waiting to see how much your faith can grow through persevering in that prayer. Some of you have been praying for lost friends and loved ones for years and you get tired and you get aggravated but you keep going because you know the perseverance is worth it. Some of you have prayed about stuff that never has come true but you are persevering through it. And some of you have persevered through major prayers and you watched God do not only a little bit different than what you prayed for but something even better. Why do we quit so fast? Listen, we have stories upon stories of what he's truly able to do. Why do we forget? Well, it's because we don't want to see (coughs) the work that's involved. We're kind of lazy. We kind of like it to be just, oh, here you go. We just want to say, get me some milk. And the milk shows up. But here's the cool thing. The experience that is going to happen right here is not just for this lady. It's also for the disciples. The experience, the benefit to perseverance for both her and the disciples. So when I persevere through prayer, not only do I get to experience a blessing of God, but you get to watch and be a part of it. When you Come to me and say, hey, pray for this. And we're praying together. But then you forget to tell me how good it turns out. (laughs) Because sometimes that happens. 
<clears throat> but when you do tell me, we get to celebrate in the greatness of God and our faith, both of our faiths are strengthened because of our perseverance in going after God. That's good stuff. But now I want you to see this interaction between her and Jesus. It is priceless. It is so good because Jesus always has quick wit and he always kind of speaks in code to some degree, always confusing the disciples for sure. And sometimes the Pharisees have no idea what he's saying because he's speaking spiritually. But watch this lady. Gives us an insight of where her heart really is. Watch what happens. So in verse 25, she comes and worships him saying, Lord, help me. But he answers and said, so he looks at her and says this. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So in other words, if we're at the dinner table, it's not good to take the kids' food and give it to the dogs. Now in the Greek uh, um, way of life, dogs were special. It was a treat. It was a bonus to have a dog. But he's making the case of, listen, children are more important than dogs. So don't take the kids' food and give it to the dogs. And he's also spiritually saying, well, the gospel is really for the Jews, and I'm not going to waste it on everybody else yet. But watch her response. It is priceless. And she says, instantly, comes right back at him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table she understands how the dogs work because that's the culture she comes from and jesus speaks to her in her cultural language using her culture to help her put this picture together and she tracks disciples are clueless they don't know what he's talking about but she tracks and she comes right back and says yes however even the dogs sit around the master's table to lick up the crumbs as they fall in other words I may not be sitting at your table, but whatever I can glean from you, I'm willing to take. What a great response and comeback. What a way to track and to know that this man was something different. Which sometimes is where we fail as believers because we don't know him the way we should. God is speaking to us all the time and we are oblivious because we don't know it. Because we haven't done the hard work yet to be in tune with him. And we're sitting at his table. We don't have to worry about the crumbs. The crumbs are what I get from everybody else as they experience cool stuff from God. But I'm at his table. Now watch this. Oh, wait, hold on. So first off, this is persistence in our personal worship. You know, I think about so many times I hear, well, who's preaching Sunday? Because if this person's preaching, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to come. That's not very persistent in your personal worship of God. Because it's not about the presenter, it's about the word that's being shared and the spirit speaking through the word to your heart. It's not about who's singing on the stage or how well or how awful they're singing. It's the I that's not a knock, I'm just saying. It's the idea of it shouldn't matter who's on the stage. Because we are personally and individually worshiping, as well as corporately worshiping. It still means we should do our best. And I love her honest and simple statement. Just, Lord, help me. But just know, I understand the dog reference. I'm tracking what you're putting down. But even the dogs eat from the master's table because of the crumbs that fall. And I love that he speaks in a way that only she can understand. Listen, you know what's funny to me? is I can stand out there 
after the service and talk to 5, 10, 15 people. And out of the 5 and 10, 15 people that come by and talk to me, 90% of the time, they all come with something different from the message. Do you know why that is? It's because I'm such a phenomenal communicator. I can speak to you and know exactly what's in your heart and hit that thing every single time. Not even close. Thank you, John, but not even close. Like, it's not even possible. I, I don't, sometimes I don't speak to you guys sometimes for weeks because our, our lives are going in different directions. So I don't always know what's going on in your life, even though it may feel that way. But let me tell you who does. The same one that speaks to me speaks to you, and the same one that speaks through me knows your heart the best and will absolutely attack the thing that you need to hear right then, right there. So you're going to hear the same message. Everybody's going to hear the same message, even you at home. But you're going to get something different. Why? Because the Spirit speaks to you personally and directly in a way that only you can get it. Her self-advocation was a testament of faith in what he was able to do. We need to self-advocate. I hear that a lot in my household because that's what my wife does with kids at St. George's. She teaches them how to self-advocate, and it's what we're working with Ethan. Of Dude, you got you to gotta find your voice. You got to self-advocate. I think sometimes in our Christian walk and in our Christian life, we get so complacent with just assuming that God just already knows, which he does. So because we assume that he already knows, we assume that he's just naturally going to take care of it. Which he can. But sometimes, most of the time, he's waiting for us to self-advocate and go to him and say, Hey, here's an issue that I'm having. Can we talk about this? Can we work through this? That is what this woman has done, this mother. She has self-advocated, not necessarily for her daughter, but for herself. She, I guarantee you, knows that he can heal her in an instant. But that's not what she asks for. She asks for mercy and help to make it through, to figure it out. Love that. And it was her self-advocation, her going to him, recognizing you are Lord, you are the Messiah, and you are the only one that can help me. So please help me. And in verse 28, here's what it says. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Wow. This is the Greek. All the mythological creatures and gods that they worship. But this lady has stepped away from that and recognized that Jesus really is Lord. And he recognizes her faith. And then, watch, this is so profound to me. He says, let it be to you as you desire. He didn't say, I will help you. I will give you what you need. He says, let it be to you as you desire. And watch the next statement. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus went from her request of just help me make it through to saying, I appreciate your faith, I appreciate your honest request, I appreciate your acknowledgement of the reality that you're in, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to give you whatever you would like. It reminds me of the Song of Solomon. That Song of Solomon definitely not has anything to do with this. It reminds me of Solomon. (laughs) 
Wow, that was awesome. <laughs> Reminds me of Solomon when, when he was visited by the angel, by, this, by Jesus, and says, hey, I will give you anything that you want. You let me know. I will give you whatever you want. And Solomon in that moment could have asked for anything. And he says, I just want to be wise. I just want to know how to do my job. And God says, great, good job. You can have that, but I'm going to give you a little bit more because you asked wisely. And in this instance, that is exactly what I believe is happening here. This lady was not asking for the healing of her daughter, I do not believe. I believe she was asking for simply, help me know how to navigate through this situation. But when Jesus said, I'm going to give you whatever your heart desires, naturally my heart would desire something different. But for me, I am willing to be okay with my reality because I know my God is merciful and gracious and can help me know how to navigate through as long as I follow him. And so in this moment, her daughter was healed in that very hour. I love that. So here's, here's some things I want you to think about. God is able to go above our request. God is able to meet our request. Anything we ask him, he, he is able to do. Would you agree with that? best verse ever to help satisfy that and it's one of my most favorite verses because it is to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think and again i break it down this way he can do all that i ask or think all of it but he doesn't want to do just all he wants to go above all i would be okay with that but he wants to go abundantly above that abundantly above anything that i could ask for but he doesn't stop there our god is truly able to go exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that I could ever dream up. That's the God we serve. But it requires our perseverance and our persistence to ask in the right manner. Here's the second thing. Our request may need to be modified. We may be asking for things that aren't in his will. And so his crickets, the silence, is not because he doesn't want to work with us, not because you're a horrible Christian, not because he doesn't love you. It may be that what you're asking for is not quite what he's wanting you to have. And so I go to this verse in James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. He says, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. He's like, you go to all these extremes to get this stuff and you're miserable. He's like, the reason you don't have stuff is because you're not asking for it. Well, then we go to the idea of, well, I am asking for it. I ask all the time. But look what he says. You ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. It's not that God is ignoring you. You may need to take some personal responsibility to go back and relook at what you are asking for and bring that to him and say, what is it about my request that I'm missing? Because he might look at you and say, well, it's a selfish request. It's a request that we can work with that, but you're missing the point of what this is really all about. Or maybe he's just wanting to see how long you're going to persevere and be persistent in going after it. And maybe he might just say no. Would that have changed the story of all? If we were to go back and he just simply look at her and say, I'll give you specifically what you ask for and I will help you know how to work with your daughter. Would that change the story at all? No. No. 
Would it change the story of all if he said, you know what? No, but I know you can do it and I'll be here for you. Now that might make us a little angry, a little frustrated. But in that moment, what if that interaction with Jesus speaks to something different that we were not expecting? The third thing is this. God wants to give us the desires of our heart. I've heard this verse all the time be overpreached and way overrepresented. Way overrepresented. When we read the verse, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That does not mean because I am serving God as a pastor and I am being as the best husband that I possibly can be, the best dad that I can possibly be, the best leader that I can possibly be, and I'm doing right and I'm being kind to others and I'm walking humbly with God, that I will get the desire of my heart, I will get a hole in one tomorrow and I will be able to buy a Toyota Tacoma. Because that's how we want to interpret that. But notice the first part of that verse, please. All we want to see is the last part, that he will give you the desires of your heart. But what does the first part say? Delight yourself in who? The Lord. If I'm going to delight myself in the Lord, that means I need to find great pleasure and excitement in knowing who he is and following him in every aspect of my life. And when I can do that, then my heart will begin to change. And as my heart begins to change, it will become more like his and reflect his every single day. And as it becomes to reflect him, that is when the desires of my heart will be his desires and I will get the desires of my heart because it's his will that will be granted. And so when I ask for things and they're not quite being answered the way that I want, maybe it is my heart that's in the wrong spot and I need to revisit my request in his presence and allow him to work it over. So be careful when we pray to not make it about us, but about his glorification. Let's make it about him. God, take this situation that I'm in and if you want to fix it, great, appreciate it. But if you don't, help me to learn what I need to learn and do what I need to do so that you may be glorified in it. Most of the time what we want to pray is, please fix it so I can be better. Be careful that when we pray, fix this so I can or then I will or so that. Be careful that our prayers are not about us getting what we think we need or what we deserve or what we want. It should always go back to number one, that it should be about his glorification. And be careful to be content in whatever God allows. For me, that's the hardest one. Because so many times, and especially in the world we live in, we are pounded on that if we do right, then all good things are going to come to us. That's what the world teaches us, right? You make the right decision, then, then good karma is going to follow you. Good things are going to happen. I've watched lots of people make good, good decisions. And the world just eat them up. So for me, I want to be in a place that no matter what comes at me, I can be in a solid emotional, mental, but most importantly spiritual spot That I can be content no matter what comes my way. How's your perseverance today? What are you lacking in? 
What are you not persevering in? Because perseverance leads to spiritual experiences. This lady did not leave until she had that interaction with Jesus. And it was a personal interaction that the disciples got to watch. But she knew her stuff. She spoke confidently. She self-advocated. But she humbled herself before a holy God. God in the flesh, Jesus, and she recognized him as Lord, as the Messiah, and was willing to take whatever crumb fell from his table. And yet Jesus, in his great mercy and great kindness, said, I appreciate your faith. Whatever your heart desires, it can be done. Wow. Here's some questions for you as the praise team comes. Number one, when my prayer life required perseverance, did I quit when I heard the crickets? When your prayer life, when you were praying specifically about something and you weren't hearing what you needed to hear, did you just quit? Did you just stop? Please don't. Keep going. Find somebody to pray with you. Find somebody to talk it through. Be honest with God. God, I'm not hearing nothing. I'm getting frustrated. I I just want to quit, but I'm going to stay in this. Help me out here. Question number two. Do I accept God's delay as punishment or opportunities to grow? Growing up. Growing up. For whatever reason, somehow, some way, I adopted this philosophy that if something bad happened in my life, God was mad at me. From an early age, I don't know how I learned it, but I just did. And for a long time, I will tell you how long. I moved here in 05, and it was probably five or six years after moving here that I finally figured out that actually, he's not mad at me. He just sees some growth areas in my life that I need to work on. It's never too late to change our thinking. It's never too late to realize just how good God is, but that he works a little bit differently than the world tells us and shows us. And so when things happen, when God delays his answers or he allows certain things in your life, how are you viewing those things? As a punishment or as opportunities for growth? And then lastly... Could my request be avoiding the real issue? Could what I be asking about, and I'm hearing crickets, could it be that I'm I'm missing the real issue at hand? This lady brought up the fact that her daughter was demon-possessed, but her perseverance brought her to the simple, honest request of, I need the help. Where do you need help this morning? Where do you need to persevere in and to be patient and wait for the answer from only God. The altars are always open. I'm going to be standing right up here. You are always welcome to come and pray. Come and persevere. Persevere straight on your knees and see what happens. You might hear crickets for a little while. Life may get really rough, but you persevere and see what happens. Because someday he's going to lift us up off our knees and we're going to stand before him face to face and celebrate for all eternity. Can you hang on for just a little longer? Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word and the simplicity of it. God, what a great, great story. And challenge to all of us to persevere. Lord, help us not to persevere just to be able to get stuff for our own guilty pleasures and our own desires. But Lord, help us to persevere for your glorification. God, help us to persevere for our sanctification so we can promote you even more. Help us to be careful with our so that's and help me so I can. And God, let it be just about you. 
Lord, we want to be good representatives of you. And we recognize today that the things you allow into our lives are meant for our good, for our sanctification, for your glorification. Help us just to do what is best. Help us to do what is right, love being kind, and to walk humbly with you. We love you, praise you, and thank you in Jesus' name.